This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The road to Qatar is into its final stretch. 30 of the 32 spots to this year's World Cup group stage have been claimed. And the final two teams to hitch a ride to the greatest show on earth will be determined on consecutive days next week as the FIFA Intercontinental Playoffs reach their climax. At first, porque yo creo en ti, vamos, vamos, Peru. Yes, I will bring bias, but I promise plenty of context as my beloved Peru take on the Socceroos, followed by a winner-takes-all clash between Costa Rica and New Zealand. And I'm joined by the one and only Michael LaHoo to discuss both matches and the stakes involved, as well as FIFA's decision to dismiss Chile's attempts to take Ecuador's place at the World Cup. Que golazo begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kigo Lasso part on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso, and of course, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. We're passing 12,000 subscribers. Thank you so much for that. Keep them coming. As a reminder, this summer is all about the World Cup, a lot of additions, as well as transfer chat with Fabrizio Romano. But Michael LaHood, part of the Kigo Lasso family, of course, our regular contributor and Kigo Lasso man, ML. How are you, buddy? Uh, I am doing great. I survived the Sierra Leone Nigeria match, and now it's over to you to bring the nationalistic pride. Can't wait to get into today's show. I love it. And that's why we love doing Kego Lasso because we bring the context, we bring the analysis, but we also bring the fan base, the you know, the, the fan passion. And that's what this World Cup and the game, to be honest, is all about. We want to bring all that passion. And of course, as I mentioned, I am wearing my Peruvian shirt. There's a lot of bias involved. Yes, but don't worry. We'll bring a lot of context. And today we're going to be previewing Peru against Australia, followed by Costa Rica and New Zealand. And everybody, because obviously I'm Peruvian, in case you were wondering, uh, Michael will also, you know, will be asking me questions. I'll be asking him questions. We want to make it make this super conversational just for everybody to enjoy. Before we begin, Michael, uh, some news. Finally, uh, you know, because... South America is not South America if there's no drama, if there's no telenovela. And if you weren't paying attention, Chile, by the way, wanted to, um, you know, cause a little bit of a stir here. As the Chilean Federation, uh, thanks to some, uh, you know, uh, lawyer help, uh, put on an official request to FIFA to remove Ecuador from the World Cup due to the fact that Byron Castillo, one of their players, was uh, falsified documents regarding his age and his birthright. Uh, they said that he was Colombian, not Equatorian. And if you haven't been paying attention to Conmebol, this has happened before in the past, actually in this cycle, where they claimed the same thing of uh, some Bolivian players. Uh, mm. That actually did go in their favor, but not to Chile's favor, because actually that meant that as a result, Bolivia got some points taken away. But also Peru, uh, in that cycle were, uh, you know, given some advantage as well, meaning that in the World Cup 2018, they got the points and Chile obviously ended beyond them. So Peru got the repechaje. Anyway, Byron Castillo decision 
FIFA today announced that they're not going to continue within this decision. Uh, there's no legitimate um, support to have anything on the basis of Chile's demands of saying that Baron Castillo was Colombian or Equatorian. They said, we're not going to do anything about this. I'm sorry. So everything is as is. Ecuador stays uh, at the World Cup and Chile doesn't. And by the way, Byron Castillo, who has just been announced as a new player for Club Leona Liga MX, his representations might, you know, take action against the Chilean Federation just because this has been honestly such an emotional turmoil for him in a game earlier a few weeks ago. He gave away a penalty and in game he wanted he crying. He asked his manager to come off. He just couldn't take it anymore. And so there's been a lot going on in the Equatorian Federation. They feel that their reputation, Michael, has been tarnished as a result because of all of this, because they say that Chile really just did this to create a media circus. And in that they achieved. But unbelievably, this is what happened now. And Ecuador stays at the World Cup and Chile doesn't. Give me your thoughts, buddy. Huh, just it, it's it's the boy who cried wolf. You do it the first time, and it comes back to still bite you in the backside. You try and do it again. Look, if you can't get it done on the field, don't leave it till after qualifications done to then put this case in. I, I I think on one hand, personally for me, I've seen this happen in other federations. Africa, this happens time and time again. World Cup qualification, I've seen this happen with the likes of Ethiopia. They had a good chance going to, I think it was Brazil, and they got caught with the hands of the cookie jar because one of the the big guns filed a case like this. I, I don't like when it comes to this, but I have a question for you, LME. With this Chilean side and with Ecuador, has this happened before for Ecuador? Is this the first time this is happening where a team like Chile is filing a case towards them? Uh, it, we, internally, Ecuador have had to figure out um, Byron Castillo's situation. Uh, even before this situation, but make no mistake about it. Look, here's the thing. The nation and the civil offices are responsible for getting the paperwork done and making sure that this player is, you know, of the nationality. It happens all the time, to your point, not just in South America. And Ecuador throughout this whole time, you know, did do that. That's why actually Alfaro waited to officially say, okay, can I call him up? So, you know, and he was called up. So, you know, there's nothing wrong that Ecuador did here. It's just that Chile, to your point, wanted to just keep going and, and sort of do the boy that cried wolf situation. But in the end, nothing happened. And as I said, they have done this before with Bolivia. And in that situation, uh, where the player wasn't registered in Bolivia's case, and clearly so, points were taken away from Bolivia. But the problem with Chile there is that not only did uh, Chile won their case, but they gave some points to Peru, <laughs> meaning that Peru actually was the advantageous one in the world. And they ended up, of course, in fifth spot again in that World Cup uh, towards 2018. So it has happened before. I just think I, I find it very ironic because not only this is like a trend now, like, you know, we have an Italian Peruvian in Gianluca Lapadula. Chile themselves recruited Ben Brereton, who is born in England, but has a Chilean parent. So Byron Castillo lives in Ecuador, plays in Ecuador. His, his, his whole identity is Equatorian, everything, yeah. you know, and Ecuador went through it. So and this is why FIFA said there's there's no there there here. So sorry. So, I, you know, and Ecuador's um, presidency, the, the federation are correct. They said, look, in the end. This was just created in order to create a media circus, and they didn't achieve it. And I think it, it shambles. Look at where Chile has come from. Copa America champions, what, less than a decade ago? 
and now it's come down to this. It's truly the end of an era, and it just—I think it's a smear campaign against themselves that backfires, and it's just kind of embarrassing at the end of the day. Yep. And to my point, uh, we don't know yet if the Federation or even Byron Castillo's people will take action against the Chilean Federation. We'll have to wait and see with that. But one thing is for certain, Ecuador at this point, I mean, they are, they're going to the World Cup and Chile can appeal to the Court of Arbitration of Sports or even uh, FIFA's Appeal Court. But I I don't think anything's going to happen here. Ecuador is at the World Cup and Chile is not. All right. Well, with that, by the way, with all that drama, Obviously, the entire South America did also want to wait because they didn't know what was going to happen because, you know, obviously, you know, something crazy could have happened, which is like, wait, if Chile win this, what happens to everything else, including Colombia, who ended above them, by the way, in the qualifying, and Peru, who are playing this game. So that's where we go to. That's uh, that's settled. Ecuador at the World Cup. Chile is not. So now we have two games here to decide the final two spots of the World Cup. And the first one is Australia against Peru, and then Costa Rica, New Zealand. We're going to preview Australia with Peru right now, and then we'll take a a break. And then after that, we will discuss Costa Rica against New Zealand and some other topics, and that will be it. So it'll be a nice little packed episode with Michael LaHood and yours truly. All right, first of all, Michael, this is also the dress rehearsal for the World Cup in a way, because these games are in Qatar, by the way. As I speak, as I tape, the Peruvian national team should be pretty much arriving Actually, in Qatar, the Peruvian ambassador in Qatar was telling Movistar Deportes that he expects thousands of Peruvians. We already actually saw Australia play the United Arab Emirates midweek. That was in Qatar as well. So this is kind of like a little mini dress rehearsal. What are your thoughts, by the way? Because, uh, you know, it's going to be obviously a 40,000-seater at Ahmad Ben Ali Stadium, the same venue where the USMNT are going to play Wales on November 21st. Uh, But, you know, this is... You know, the whole point of the World Cup being moved to November is that they don't play in the heat in June and July. And here are these teams going to play in the heat in June and July. What are your thoughts on that? It wouldn't it wouldn't be a dress rehearsal in a place like Qatar if it, if they didn't have to play in the heat. And look, this is this is the world that we we live in now because of the shift in changing the dates to accommodate the heat for Peru. I, before we dive into that, I just want to I want to I want to nominate you, LME. You say the ambassador to Qatar. I think you might be in the running for the ambassador to the U.S., uh, to the city of New York for the Peruvian Federation. So, you know, yep. if you're watching the hey Federation. Man, just send me a paycheck and I'll take it. I don't mind. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll work something out with CBS. <laughs> One thing we know about Peruvian fans and, you know, growing up in the East Coast, grew up around quite a few Peruvians and going up to a place like New York City. Peruvian fans, they travel. They bring the numbers. I don't expect anything less. Heat, forget about it. No problem for these fans. And it's going to be exciting that there's matches that have such big consequences, dire consequences for either team should they lose or the team that wins. And, you know, it's just this is going to be really exciting. And, and you could start to feel a little bit of that pressure and the heat is just rising, no pun intended, but the heat is just rising that that much more as these two teams get ready to square off. Absolutely. And also a reminder, by the way, that even though, yes, it is in the heat and we're expecting 90 to 100 degree weather, you know, on Monday, it, this game's in the evening. So it does cool down a little bit. So it's not like it's in the middle of the day, which obviously that's not going to happen. So there, there's that to be said. But one thing is for certain, just like you said, Michael LaHood, expect a lot of Peruvians. I expect some Australians, but... I think the overwhelming number of Peruvians <laughs> will take 
president. Uh, by the way, this game itself, let's get into it. By the way, the Socceroos aiming to reach their fifth straight World Cup, but they're a very different team to the 2018 one for a few reasons, by the way. So that, I'm starting with Australia for a second. They, they got a win against the United Arab Emirates. It wasn't a pretty win. It wasn't a good game uh, to, to anything. Um, but, you know, Australia got that victory. Australia, within this cycle, moved to the AFC specifically to increase their competition. And they ended third in qualifying behind Saudi Arabia and Japan, which is why they're here in the first place. But this is not the 2018 uh, Australian team. They have Matt Ryan, the leader in goal, of course, who's been in both cycles as well. Uh, Aaron Moy returns. Uh, by the way, that game against United Arab Emirates was his first competitive match all year hmm. because he hasn't played at all. And actually, he refused to return to the Chinese Super League during the COVID situation, wanted to stay with the national team. And that's because uh, Tom Rogic, who formerly of Celtic, is not part of this team. And that's massive, Michael. Him oh, yeah. leaving due to personal reasons, the creative spark. That's a big problem for them. So make no mistake about it. This Australian side is not the same as 2018. They're going through a few things. A lot of them play within Australia. So without bias, everybody, it's not just me because I'm Peruvian. On paper, <laughs> Michael LaHood, this favors... Peru massively, just on paper. I'm just from a talent perspective, yeah. managerial perspective. This should be a victory for Peru if you just look at what you see. But obviously, this is a one-off. But that's Australia at this point. It's going to come down to the play of Matt Ryan. In that UAE game, UAE for 50 to 55 minutes were by far the better team. Matt Ryan making point-blank saves, especially down their right-hand side. They were very vulnerable. Yeah. And they have a lot of missing pieces outside of Tom Rogic. I think Adam Taggart, he is trying to rush back, trying to you know get back into good health. And they had to play Matthew Leckie, who alongside Ryan is one of the elder statesmen. Leckie yep, part he was also there in the 2018. Yeah. That's right. And yep. 2015 Asian Cup team. Yep. No Tim Cahill and a, a player that you know very well. I believe he played for uh, Aston Villa. Miles Jemniak. No more. And just the, the Aussie teams of the past, they were experienced. They were a group. There's a generation that came up together. They were playing in the Premier League. They were playing in top leagues around the world, Syria. This is a very different team. A lot of these players, the core of this team, they play in the A-League in Australia, leaving Europe. The one guy who I think could make a difference if he has a good game, he's going to have to have the best game of his life if Hurst is Hurstich from Antrak Frankfurt. He's a Europa League winner, and he contributed for Frankfurt in both league campaign and Europa League campaign. He will be full of confidence. Remember, it was his left-footed volley. This guy can shoot from the moon, and when it's on target, it's dangerous. His left-footed volley took a deflection against UAE late in that match to give him the winner. Yeah, it was a great, great uh, strike that, to your point, uh, secured uh, that victory or Australia as United Arab Emirates um, got that goal to equalize almost immediately after the opener, but that goal from Hrustich was was key. But yes, this is not the same Australia of 2018. It's going to be intriguing to see. They put a lot of focus on the right-hand side. They love to play the game in the air. They love to play out of dead ball situations. So, you know, to against United Arab Emirates, uh, they had like 30% possession. They don't like the ball on the ground. So th those are vulnerabilities from the Australian side. Um, but again, on paper, everybody, uh, Peru uh, should win this. Uh, go ahead, Michael. 
Yeah, just a quick question for you. What worries you? We talked about this Aussie team not being your typical Aussie team for the last eight years or so, but what worries you? What are some of their strengths that worry you going up against your Peruvian national team? I think from an aerial perspective is the one thing I'm looking at. They're 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 pretty good in the air. They like so they're, yeah. they're gonna look to stop play at any given opportunity, whether that's a free kick or a corner. So it's gonna be very important to see, you know, players like Alex Callens and Carlos Zambrano at the back to be very good in the air. La Padula is probably gonna be needed defensively. We're not the tallest of teams, obviously. We're gonna need to rely on the physicality of Lucho Advincula, the right back who's just getting back into fitness after getting hurt with Boca Juniors, but he should be okay. He should be good to go. We have one of the best players in goal in the world, uh, in Pedro Galese. So, you know, yep. he's going to be very important when it comes to dictating what to do in dead ball situations. So that worries me just aerially. But as long as we can keep the ball on the ground, I think I'm good. So moving on to the Peruvian side. As much as I said that this is not the Australian side of 2018, Peru, actually, there's a lot of members of that 2018 that are still here. Pedro Galese, I mentioned, Andre Carrillo, Renato Tapia, Christian Cueva, Yoshi Yotun, Miguel Trauco. All those players were there in Peru. So if they're not better now, they're definitely more experienced. And now you have Ricardo Gareca, who to me is one of the best managers in the world yeah. most Europeans have not heard of. The things that he has done with his Peruvian side is amazing. We are not an Argentina. We are not a Brazil, right? We have a team of good players, but when they come together with the national team, they turn into something very special. They're unbelievable under Ricardo Gareca. And the fact that we're in the situation in the first place is commendable, right? So on paper, we should be doing the right thing and playing yeah. the, uh, you know, the ball on the ground. Uh, so, you know, all the ingredients, Michael, are there for Peru to win this game. If we don't win this game, it's because mm. of our own undoing, not yeah. because of Australia. Oh, it'll be lack of execution in front of goal. And Peru, something we know about Peruvian national teams of the past, they have talented, talismanic, or number nines, strikers in front of goals who just are poachers, are just class players, and they seem to have found another one in Lapadula. How is he different from the Paulo Guerreros, from the Claudio Pisados of the past? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Well, first of all, um, I think that, you know, one of what something that you mentioned a good point, something that makes Peru very interesting from a striker's position. And this is why I get asked a lot by MLS fans, like, why isn't Raul Rudia as part of this Peruvian setup? And it's like, it's, it's pretty simple. We are, because we're not like depending so much on individual star status talent that can fit a system, we have to do it the other way around. The system has to form itself based on what we have. Raul Rudia is not something that Ricardo Gareca can rely on because we usually rely on, to your point, that sort of poacher holding the ball kind of central striker that can just be the, the leading man up top, especially off the ball. Paolo Guerrero, Claudio Pizarro, they did it for years and years and years. Gianluca Lapadula, the Italian-born Peruvian, has given us actually a lot of what those two, Guerrero and Pizarro, used to do, which is hold the ball, be clinical in, in mistakes and everything. But What's so good about him is like he he's at, his footwork is very good, mm. right? So he he's very comfortable in dribbling towards players and actually inviting players like Carrillo and Christian Cueva from the wing or Edison Flores when it comes in later to do that. But we love this man so much because he had never put a foot in Peru before he was wow. called up. And now he is taking it all in. He's our Taku Taku Rigatoni <laughs> King, and we love him. And he... 
will, he's like Ollie Watkins for a village. He'll just, he won't stop running. He just mm-hmm. won't stop. And that's something that Peruvians just love about him so much. When he's out of the team, you know, Santiago Ormeño comes in maybe, or uh, Varela, who plays in Peru as well. But La Padula is our key man. But the most important player in Michael LaHood is Christian mm-hmm. Cueva. On his oh, yeah. day, he is unplayable. And I'm looking, I'm looking at a high foul count in that game, my friend. Because Christian Cueva, when he has the ball at his feet, it's almost impossible to take it away from him. Oh, he's such a good dribbler, especially in tight spaces. One thing that I've noticed he's gotten so much better at during this qualification campaign is just runs off the ball. When you have good dribblers in your team, oftentimes they don't want to run in behind. They don't mix up their movement. They want the ball to feet. You look at the, the, the best in the game throughout just history. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay away from Cristiano Ronaldo because, you know, he's just a freak of nature. But some of these players, to take their game to the next level, to impact their team in a different way in tight matches, it's your movement off the ball. It's your high soccer IQ. And his movement, especially when Peru get in counterattack situations, his pace is electrifying. I really, really like him as a footballer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, many people were, you know, uh, awing and awing at Luka Modric's great ball for Vinicius Jr. Mm. in the Champions Ooh. League. Guess what? Christian Cueva did exactly the same thing for La Padula. And World Cup qualifiers. I just want people to Google that. But anyway, yeah. I expect a, a physical game from Australia, and, but hopefully Peru being the architect and controlling the game. And as long as Peru takes care of what Peru can do, we should win this. If we don't win this, it's because of our own undoing. Go ahead, Mike. And just when you talk about winning, how do you think Peru can get after this Aussie side who on paper aren't the greatest? They're not world-class names and they're a team that's really struggled with form as of late. Yeah. I think the moment they, you know, have a heavy foot on that second touch and they lose the ball, Peru needs to pounce. Um, United Arab Emirates kind of did a little bit, but they're not talented enough to take full advantage, right? That there was some moments, but not, but not quite. Australia don't like the ball. Like they, they want to counter, they want to be physical. So we just got to make sure that every time they find themselves in tricky situations, their backs towards the goal, Peru just needs to pounce. So I'm intrigued about that midfield because you have Renato Tapia, obviously will start. And then Pedro Aquino, who's been a little quiet recently, but he came in um, against New Zealand in the friendly and he was great. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a double pivot in the middle with Yoshi Yotun right in front of them instead of Sergio Peña, who, uh, you know, plays for Malmo, did some Champions League experience. So it's going to be interesting to see. And then obviously the right side of Australia is going to be important. So, you know, Miguel Trauco, Marcos Lopez, some questionable things. But if Kristen Cueva has a game of his life, this game is over. Peru will, will yeah. take care of it. All right. Well, everybody, you know, regardless of what happens, the winner actually joins Group D. And it's very similar to the same group as in 2018 in Russia, because in Russia, th- so we're going to have three of these four teams, no matter what, at this mm-hmm. World Cup than in 2018. That's France. Peru or Australia, who were also there in 2018, either one, along with Denmark, Tunisia being the new one in. So this is a very similar group to the one in 2018. How do you see this group, let's say for the sake of argument that it's Peru and it's France, Peru, Denmark, Tunisia? Uh, If I'm France, I do not want to see Peru. In 2018, French players were quoted as saying that was probably their toughest game of the group. They won 1-0, and they really had to earn it. I think it was a Kylian Mbappe goal in the 34th minute. Mm -hmm. Peru matched them athletically. 
They match them in terms of just work rate and aggression. And France were very fortunate to get out of that game with the three points. And if you're Denmark, Denmark is going through a bit of a renaissance and resurgence. They get Christian Eriksen back. But I think Peru has them. They could have their number on the counter. A Danish team in that game that will be very technically gifted, technically sound, and will throw numbers forward and be a bit more expansive than they're used to playing against some of the bigger names in Europe. So I think this group would favor Peru more than it would Australia. Yeah, no, I totally agree, especially because it was a stronger Australian side in 2018. And France, by the way, were pretty fortunate again in Australia in 2018 in that one as well. They were a bit reactive, as uh, yeah. our producer Des Norris reminds us. And against Denmark, Peru, like Christian Cueva, mm. missed a penalty. So, like, had he not missed that? So there's a bit of a redemption town here. And, by the way, if you want to know more about Tunisia, you know, we did a great episode with Michael and uh, Mara Mazahi as well through that. So it should be an interesting one. But three of the four teams that were there in 2018 are back again in 2022 so that should be interesting depending how you look at it all right let's take a break michael lahood when we come back we'll go to Concacaf, mm. as well as uh oceania of course as new zealand and costa rica face each other for the last spot because they play the day after when we come back michael lahood yours truly costa rica new zealand and a few other pieces of information and that should be it we'll be right back Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. Michael LaHood in the house. LME, Costa Rica, New Zealand. All right. Michael LaHood, Los Ticos. This is yeah. it for them. Surely the golden generation, the last dance, potentially Kaylor Navas's last international game, maybe. What, what, how do you make yeah. of this as Costa Rica face New Zealand? If they don't beat this New Zealand side, throw everything out the window. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Throw Navas. No. Okay. It'll be tragic. You talk about the, the feel-good vibe for Peru going up against a weakened Aussie side. This New Zealand side has one player in their ranks. And I'm not talking about Winston Reed. Winston Reed hasn't played football for 12 months. Chris Wood, who scored how many goals for Newcastle? Two in the Prem. Although his play in terms of hold-up play and his target play is what helped Newcastle thrive and be resurgent in the second half of the season. But and Premier League one... experience, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're a one-player team in attack. I worry about this Costa Rica team because sometimes you get overconfident going up against a team that on paper you should thrash and demolish. So it's really going to come down to what type of attitude. Can they get that early goal against New Zealand? You don't want to leave this game going nil-nil later on because set pieces is something they're very good at, especially with Chris Wood in their ranks. 
Yeah, and let's not forget, Costa Rica um, were pretty unfortunate in CONCACAF because they only didn't make it to the third spot because of goal difference to the USMNT. It was the USMNT, yeah. obviously. That, so, you know, it, it's not to say that Costa Rica, you know, are in an awful position to be in this situation. They were just a little bit less fortunate. But to your point, once again, Costa Rica are the strongest team, okay? Yeah. Um, from what I saw against New Zealand when Peru played them in the friendly a few weeks ago, Again, they're physical, but they're, they're really not. They make things sticky and a little bit annoying for the opponent. But I feel that Costa Rica should have enough experience to take care of business. Just like the Peru game, on paper, this really should fall to Los Ticos. If, if it doesn't happen, it's due to their own undoing. But recent matches, though, you know, they've played some Nations League matches as well, right? And it hasn't been their fully strongest 11. I believe Keylor yeah. Navis hasn't been a part of it either. So this, I mean, if you put everything together, Costa Rica really should take care of business here. Oh, they absolutely should. And and the player I'm looking at is Joel Campbell, former Arsenal man. When he plays centrally for this Costa Rica team, I expect him to start up top. My big question for Costa Rica is, are they going to continue with this back five? In CONCACAF qualification, they've played a 5-4-1, leaving Campbell high up by himself using his speed and athleticism and just his tenacity to get goals. Are they going to put more numbers in attack? And Cecil Borges, he's a player. I don't care how old he is. This guy is a smooth operator, a decade plus in La Liga Deportivo La Coruña. This will be one of his swan songs and last chances as well, captaining this team. But the the, the guy who I'm just, he he's just defying father time. Every time I look at the, the roster, Brian Ruiz, what is he doing on the roster? This guy was 90, and he's still on the roster contributing into games. Hopefully, he if Costa Rica, if it's a good day for them, he'll be getting subbed in at half. Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of amazing, but his experience will be very – even 10 minutes of a good Brian Ruiz yeah, will probably oh. be a helpful thing here. They played, by the way, these two teams uh, a long time ago in 2007, and Costa Rica won 4 nothing. In that game, by the way, you know, as we take this, Chris Wood's availability is still up for grabs. I'm sure he would be fine, Michael, but, uh, you know, we just got to double check. As we take this, it's still a few days to go for the game. I'm sure he'll be ready, but there's a, a bit of a knock on him, apparently, before this game. Well, Costa Rican defenders, I'm thinking of Calvo, Francisco Calvo, who's no stranger to the referee's back pocket or side pocket We'll be reading that, and we'll just want to test out that injured place. You know, hopefully the New Zealand medical staff don't tell them where he's injured or where he's uh, getting a little bit of soreness because Calvo and the likes of that back three or back four will definitely be monitoring that. Yeah, no, absolutely. But regardless, uh, Tico's golden generation, is this their last dance? They need to get this victory in order to secure another spot at the World Cup, or will New Zealand be the shock Kiwis that make it happen? We will see. Apparently, it's a little bit of a niggle for Chris Wood. I expect him to, yeah. to, to start in this one. Absolutely. All right. Well, okay. Well, okay. Let's do this then. Give, give me your predictions. Uh, Peru, Australia. What do you think? Uh, I expect Peru to go through. You want the scoreline to go with it? Yeah, go for it. Let's see it. I expect Peru to go through 2-0. Look, it's in their last comfortable World Cup qualifying match that, that booked them into fifth place. That was a scoreline. They're a team that is informed. They've only lost once in their last 10 matches, I believe, and they have a striker who is in the form of his life in Lapadula. I expect him to get on the score sheet and someone out of midfield, Yoshi Yotun, 
He times his run going forward well. A player you highlighted is someone not to sleep on who has had a low-key, impressive club career doing it in Mexico. And now it just he's a player that a lot of people tend to sleep on. Yeah, he left Mexico, was a free agent for a little bit, and then he went back to Lima to play for Sporting Cristal. And he's the kind of player that just needs a few minutes uh, for club competition, and he would just be fine in Peru. It's amazing what Ricardo Gareca does. I, I want to emphasize that to everybody. Like What he has done is one of the greatest things that any manager has done in national team. I can't emphasize that enough. We don't have stars. And the fact that we're one game away from the World Cup once again is kind of... Unbelievable. I'm going with a 2 nothing win as well. I hope it's 4 nothing, And then, uh, you know, uh, we'll, all, we'll all be happy. All right, Costa Rica, New Zealand, where do you see that? Oh, I, I really think it's going to depend on when that, that, that goal is scored. And, and if Costa Rica get the early goal, I see a potential 4 nothing, 5 nothing match. If Costa Rica don't get that early goal, ooh, it could be one nothing. But I still see Costa Rica squeaking through. So I'm going to play the middle of that and go three, nothing Costa Rica. All right. I think I'm going to go a little tighter. I, I see a Costa Rican win, but I feel like a little bit of nerves here. Maybe, maybe two, one, maybe it's two, nothing Costa Rica, New Zealand, get a goal to make it interesting. But in the end, Costa Rica will take it. So give it to the Latin Americans, Peru and Costa Rica to go through as this world cup and the teams that will play in them take its con Conclusion. All right. Before we go, any final thoughts, my friend, as we uh, obviously this is our preview before the games next week. By the way, if we recap Peru Australia next week, I'm not going to be here. It's my birthday. I'm taking it off. So I'm going to be drunk either way. I might. I told Esnars that, you know, you may be able to call me and I may be able to come in. But, you know, I got to celebrate either way. But any final thoughts, Michael LaHood? Ah, oh, geez. I think it's twofold. One question for you. I'm just curious, what's the beer count going to be should Peru qualify? It's something that I've been thinking about since our last episode. And that's, that's, I just, I'm excited. I'll be following Twitter. I'll be the Fabrizio Romano of your beer count the day of that match. But soccer wise, Man, the pressure is getting there. We're two teams away from completing the field. I cannot wait to start next week. But on a personal note, I'll be up in Austin watching the U.S. men's national team play against Fernanda. So I'm excited to go and just support U.S. soccer and support international soccer. I love your national games. So my thoughts will be on that. Once uh, 100% as uh, the USMNT get ready for the Nations League. And of course, and by the way, in soccer, we trust with... Uh, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce, Charlie Davis. They interviewed Brendan Aronson as well. So check that out. Make sure that you check it out. But yes, Michael, you're absolutely right. Support the international game as this is the last World Cup with 32 spots because 2026 will have 48. And by the way, next week, big announcements about where all these games are going to be played should be very exciting indeed. And my only final thought is, well, I warned my friend, I'm going to his restaurant to really double up on the beer order. So that answers your question. Um, arriba, Peru. Let's see if we can do it. I can't wait. Thank you so much, everybody. Michael LaHood, it's been a pleasure. Have a great weekend, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really honored to preview this show. And are you ready for some football? I am. I love it. I love it. I love it. At Mike LaHood on Twitter. Make sure to follow at LMHGaray. At Kegolasso pod as well. YouTube.com forward slash so we have so much content on our YouTube channel and on podcast as well. So make sure to follow us 
wherever you listen or watch this show. Have a fantastic weekend. And remember, if you are Qatari, get ready because there's a Peruvian wave coming your way. Arriba Peru. We'll see you next time. Have a great, great weekend. Till then. Wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.